The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Well, I'm glad you guys are here today. And... uh... Fourth of July weekend, a wonderful weekend and a beautiful week. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful day today. And uh, what I'd like to do is just to start off is to pray uh, and thank God that we have a country that we are free to worship in and that we don't take that for granted. So I'm going to lift, uh, lift that up, but also just uh, as we bring God's word today that, uh, that we just, he just opened up our hearts to what he has for us today. So if you'd bow with me. Gracious Father, thank you for uh, our country, uh, even with the... Uh, um, the ups and downs that we have in this country, we know that at least we have the freedom to come here today on this Sunday in this church and freely worship you. And we just thank you for that liberty that we have, Lord. And I just want to pray for our leaders and lift them up and uh, that they would just seek you, Lord, and uh, seek you in your in guidance and uh, uh, decisions that they make that are important to this country, Lord, that uh, I just pray that they would seek you. And I pray for their word today, Lord. I pray that we would, uh, uh, we would just be open, our ears would be uh, for hearing, and our eyes would be open to see what you have for us in, in your word today, Lord. And soften our hearts that uh, we may take it and apply it in our lives and to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're in a, in a series called My Father Is. My Father Is. And uh, <clears throat> today we're going to be talking about The Father Is Available. And with the last couple of ones we talked about where my father is trustworthy and my father is joyful. And <clears throat> Brian had talked about when, when we talk about joyful that uh, true joy doesn't ignore the pain of life but transcends it. And that Jesus, who was the perfect example of that, went to the cross knowing the, the joy that was stood before him. But he had to endure the pain and the suffering that came with the cross. And then when he's talking about trustworthy, that my father is trustworthy, that we know the father and we can trust him. To know the Father is to trust him. So when Brian asked me to preach this week, um, he asked me a couple of months ago, and, and the, the, the series about my father is was like, like yeah, cool, I can do that. I, you know, when I pray to God, I go, my heavenly father, that's just the, the relationship I, I have with, with God is I see him as my father. And uh, I think Brian thought, well, you've got a lot of kids. You can really resonate with people, you know. <laughs> And uh, so I, I have eight kids. And did I introduce myself? I didn't. Did I introduce myself? I didn't, did I? I'm Danny Vinhouse, so I'm a little nervous. I'm one of the elders here at the church. And uh, so if, I'll have to brag a little bit. Mason, who leads the worship usually, is, uh, is my son, my oldest son. And, uh, so, and I have grandkids and all of that. And we've been in Alaska here since, since uh, my oldest one was only a year old. So we spent... Uh, Pretty much they spend all their life up here. And we love Alaska. And we love this church. We've been going to this church since, uh, since 2008. And uh, we came here actually right before Brian did. So Brian was one of the, the first new hires we had in the church. But so you're going to see a fresh face up here today. And you're going to see a fresh face leading worship with Brian. So anyway, we, we love change, right? <laughs> so uh, anyway, so... Uh, 
as being an elder is, I think it's really important as I see it is to every so once in a while I'll come up and I'll preach, fill in for Brian uh, and just give him, you know, a week off. But more so, I think it's really important for, uh, for me as an elder is to fill in for him and to see what he has to go through week to week to bring you God's word. And uh, Brian is very faithful in doing that. And you guys should really appreciate that and, and praise God that you have a pastor that takes it very seriously. Because when I do it, it's like, wow, this is a lot of preparation. This takes a, <laughs> it's a lot of preparation. And you want to make sure that you're bringing God's word faithfully and you're bringing it consistently. And so when Brian does that week to week, you know, it's, that's awesome. We have a pastor who does that. Um, so what does it mean to be available? What does it mean to be available? So, for you guys, how about everybody? Has everybody got one of these? I think everybody knows what one of these are, right? Cell phone. I've been carrying a cell phone uh, for 18 years, almost every day. Uh, Back when they had big Motorola's, the bricks. And so, in my profession, I'm an engineer and I work for an oil company, and we I deal with drilling rigs. And they run 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year, nonstop. And so the only calls I get on my cell phone are family and friends, which are the enjoyable ones, but then when the other ones come from, from work. And those ones stress me out because they don't call me unless there's something going on, unless there's a problem. And so when I get the call, the first thing he does is goes in my mind is, oh, no, what's wrong? I get stressed out. My heart rate goes up. I know it, you know, and I I can feel that stress coming in because I know that now I'm going to have to deal with something I didn't want to have to deal with. And it's usually, it's never at an opportune time when it comes. Never, ever. It's always at the worst place. You know, I've had calls in here in church and had to hustle out to take those calls. Uh, I hope I don't have one now. I've got it on mute, but if you hear some vibrating going on, just ignore it. (laughs) So, uh, so anyway, when we look at that, when, when God is available to us, we can, be, we can be assured that God's not surprised when we need to talk to him. God sees everything that's going on in front of us. He's not surprised. He's not stressed out. I might be, you might be when something happens like that, but to be available, God is never surprised. So to know the Father is to know he is available. So what we're going to do today and what we try to do at ACF is we're going to try to create a picture an image of what God is as a father and what that means when he's available. Because when you paint a masterpiece, you don't do it with just one line. You do it with several lines. So we're going to go through some scripture and we're going to try to paint this picture of, of a father God. I know maybe for some of you guys that uh, uh, thinking of fathers is it can be a painful thing. You may not have a father around. Uh, even if he was around, maybe he was emotionally absent. Um, maybe there's even abuse in your family. I don't know. Um, I know, though, that um, coming here and listening to that, you have a heavenly Father who loves and cares for you, makes up for all of that. Makes up for all of that. And I, for one, was I was very thankful that I had. I grew up in a family where my dad was always available, <clears throat> always there for me. Of course, he had to work a lot. Um, he had a couple of businesses that came close to failing, but he survived through those. And I know he struggled and had ulcers. Um, and even then he would come home from a long day at work. His feet were tired. And my brother and I would a- always ask him, dad, can we go hit some fly balls? We want some fly balls, we want some fly balls. And he never, ever turned us down. He always went out there and hit fly balls, uh, even though he was tired and we knew he was, and he would go and he would wait. We would have to quit before he did. 
And so I always see that image as a father who's available and would spend time with his kids even when he's tired. And the good thing about it, God's never tired. God is never tired, and he's available. So when it comes to Christianity, we have a, a little bit different, our, I don't know, I say religion, but our faith is a little bit different. You have the monotheism, religions of Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, where we believe in one true God. When it comes to Islam, they, uh, it's, it's condemned to have a relationship as a father with God. You cannot look as God as a father. That is condemned in the Quran. When you look at Judaism, is Judaism is they saw, they saw God as a father, but was as a, as a father that they couldn't see face to face, that they could not approach uh, except in the Holy of Holies in the temple where the high priest could be in the presence of God. But what we have <clears throat> is, the, is Jesus who came and tore that down. And allowed us to have access. And when you look at it in Exodus 33, you want to talk about where um, the Jews could not see the glory of God. Moses asked to see the glory of God. He asked to see that glory. And um, the Lord told him in Exodus 33, You cannot see my face, for man shall not live, shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you will see my back. But my face shall not be seen. My face shall not be seen. So, but thank God we've got Jesus. And Jesus came, we got to see the face of God. His disciples didn't understand it at first, and they would ask him, Just show us the Father, Lord. Just show us the Father. And Jesus responded to them in John 14. He says, he's particularly to Philip, he says, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So we have, we have someone, we have seen God, and that is Jesus. Jesus tore down the temple curtain at the crucifixion. The curtain was torn, and we now have access to the Holy of Holies. We can access God. Some of the things, though, that as Christians we do in the denominations is we tend to put obstacles in front of our access to God, don't we? Certain, certain places or certain denominations, you have to have a pastor, you have to have a priest, you have to have, or you might have a holy man, or you might have a certain way that you have to pray, or it has to be done in a certain place. It can only be done in the church. It can't be done at home. Or we feel like it can only be done in the morning. And we place all these obstacles when we have free access to him all the time, 24-7. In the little stuff during your day, do you talk to him? Do you praise him for just the little things that happen in your life every day? We just tend to get in our little box, and we want to take care of God in that little box right then in our day, and then the rest of the day we forget about him. And we just forget about him. God wants to see it. He wants to have a continual conversation with us. He wants to have it with me. I have to remind myself that as well. So we're going to go ahead and get started in the, uh, in the sermon points. If you guys would, you should have a handout, which has the points on it. Um, we also, there's an app, ACF, that you can, it should be out there. I think it is. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, there's Bibles in front of you. And if you don't want to have one at home, you can take that one with you. It's a gift from us to you guys. Okay, so we're going to start with point number one is an available Father God is one who is everywhere. An available Father God is one who is everywhere. Genesis 1 tells us that we have attributes that we share with God. We have attributes and characteristics that we share with God because we were made in His image. You and I were made in His image. Those things can be like spirit. We share spirit. Holiness, love, goodness, truth. 
righteousness, justice, mercy, beauty, and emotions. And then there's the unshared attributes, the things that only God can possess because he is infinite and we are not. And they all start, the three that I picked out all start with omni. And, you know, I had to bring this up at the first service. Does every member of the Dodge Omni? It's like, and I go, and so when I said, you know, when you see that car, you go, why? Why would you name a car that's, me, I didn't ever thought, I thought it was an ugly car, and why would you call it Omni? When I think of God, you know, you always, that's the only time you ever hear of omnipotent, omnipresent, and then they have the Dodge Omni. It's just kind of like, it's like, yeah, why bother? Uh, you know, I just don't get it. <laughs> but we're going to concentrate on, on the one attribute of God that is omnipresent. God is everywhere all the time. And so if you would, uh, we're going to go into Psalm 139, verses 7 through 13. Psalm 139, 7 through 13. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I, shall I flee from your presence? If I send to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. So, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Louis Giglio. Brian mentioned him last week. He saw him and David Crowder at the same place. and was so nervous he didn't go in. He just said, hey, and then walked around and turned off. <laughs> Louis Giglio does, uh, does presentations, goes around and speaks all over the place, and he puts on these awesome presentations about God as a creator. So if you ever get an opportunity to see one of his DVDs, I used to get them and just hand them out to people because I thought they were just so amazing. But he talks about it in a couple of, a couple of, uh, of uh, sequences. He talks about how God far out in the heavens, how God's in, in the, the science and technology we have, like the Hubble telescope, where you can see God's hand way out in the universe, his, his creative hand. And then he also looks inward, and he goes all the way to, the, to just the cell, the cell of the body, how God's hand is in that too. And there's this little thing called the laminin, which is the glue that holds the cell together. And it's, it's, they just now have seen and discovered this over the last few years, but called laminin, and it's the glue that holds cells together, and it's, it looks like this. It looks like a cross, which is really cool. Uh, but it's just, it's an awesome... Uh, presentation of where God is in the small stuff. And in Psalm 139, it says, you form my inward parts at the cellular level. When you were first formed, he's there. And then he's in the heavens far away. So he's near and he's far. God is everywhere. God is everywhere. And I, I remember I had a conversation with a guy that, um, with a man that I really love and respect and have a little bit difference of opinion when it comes to faith and religion. And uh, I asked him in particular, I go, so why do you pray to, to saints and to other people? Why, why don't you always pray to God or to Jesus? And his response was, well, I think it's because there's, just, there's, too, much, there's too many people in the world and there's too many problems and God's busy. And uh, he could use some help. And I was just like, wow, my God's, my God's creator of the universe. He doesn't need our help. <laughs> he's, you know, he's, my God's bigger than that. My God, my God must be bigger than your God. Uh, and I, I think we do a lot of the times we limit God. We try to limit God. We try to limit in what he can do in our lives. 
And I think that God has so much more for us. He's so much bigger. I don't think we can even, and we won't on this side of heaven, I think really understand and fathom just how huge and big God is. When you look out in the universe of stars, that's only the beginning of it. So, knowing that God is everywhere also makes us accountable, doesn't it? Do you guys feel accountable when you know that there's a God that's there? They can see Adam and Eve thought they could hide from God. They put on fig leaves. They were ashamed and they ran and tried to hide from God. But you can't hide from God. God sees all. God knows all. In Jeremiah 23 and 23 to 24, it says, I am a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far, and not a God far away. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? declares the Lord. Do I not fill the heaven and the earth, declares the Lord? You can't hide from God. I remember uh, a, I had a story back when I was growing up. Uh, my brother and I, we got all motivated and we were going to build this bicycle ramp. We we're going to build this cool bicycle ramp. And so we go to our dad and said, Dad, we need some wood and we need some tools. And we're going to build this cool bicycle ramp. So he's like, okay, sure. So we get all the tools, and, and uh, we get out there, and we're really motivated. And for a few hours, we're really working on it, and then we kind of lose interest like boys do. And we went to the next thing, whatever it was. But we didn't, we didn't put all the stuff up. Uh, a couple of weeks later, my dad's walking around. He finds the handsaw laying in the grass all rusted over. And my dad had just bought this handsaw. This was back when you, used, you didn't always use power saws. Does anybody know what a handsaw is? Maybe it's just my age. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> So he, he brings my brother in and I, and uh, we tell something's wrong. You can just tell that look on your dad when he, when he calls you in, you know. And uh, he, says, uh, he says, I found this out in the grass. And both my brother and I, we just kind of just looked down, stared at our feet like we lost change. And he says, <clears throat> which one of you guys left this out in the grass? And I go, uh, it wasn't me. My brother's like, it wasn't me. And he just looks at it again, and he just pauses. And he goes, I'm going to ask again, which one of you guys left this in the grass? Because I had three older sisters that, that, weren't even, that would not be doing this. So we, he knows they're not the ones out there with the handsaw. And, and we denied him again. I felt like Peter denying the Lord three times. Uh, and he saw completely through it. He's just, come, he's just sitting there, he's just going, you know, come on, guys. Do you think I'm that stupid? <laughs> But what he does, and we're sitting there going, thinking, oh, here it comes. The belt's coming out. You just hear that? You can just hear that coming out. And it's good. Yeah, it's going to be belt time. Belt time. And my brother and I are looking at it, and we're just agonizing. I mean, we're telling it's coming. And uh, he goes, okay. He goes, okay. So you didn't leave it on the grass. That's okay. So he went over, got oil, put it on the blade, cleaned the blade up, and put it away. And we never heard another thing about it. Never heard a thing about it. And I always remember that. I re- you know, I remember the other times when we did get popped <laughs> with a belt. <laughs> and we deserved it every time. But I think in this case is my dad wanted us to come clean. He wanted to give us an opportunity for us to come clean. And I think he wouldn't have punished us if we had said it Because he just wanted us to confess to him that we had done something wrong. And that's like our Father God. It's the same way. He wants us to come clean. He's not ready to stand there with a, with a rod to whip us and beat us. He wants us to come clean to him and go, God, I have failed. I have sinned. I have failed. Over and over we, we do this because we're human and we're still on this earth. It's, it's a lost place and, and uh, we're tempted and we fall. And God just wants us to turn to him. He really does. He's available for us so that we can turn to him.
So our second point, an available Father God is one who waits. An available Father God is one who waits. And we're going to go into the, the parable of the prodigal son, in Luke 15, 11 through 24. Luke 15. So the context on this is that Jesus is going around and he's teaching to the crowds and there's this crowd gathered around following him from place to place and it's made up of tax collectors, sinners and Pharisees and disciples. And, you know, the, the same group that's always following him around. And Jesus is teaching and the, the Pharisees are grumbling. They're grumbling because here's this guy, he's going out, he's partying and he's, he's eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. You know, and they're always grumbling about Jesus. Well, Jesus hears her grumbling, and he responds to him by telling him three parables. I love Jesus. He always answers with a parable, and he, and he just nails it every time, doesn't he? I just love it. Jesus nails it every time. And he's got three parables that he gives him, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son, or what I would say the lost son, okay? So here we go. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with pigs that, the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Uh, but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So doesn't that paint a cool picture? Here, here's, a, here's a rich man, probably a nobleman, is what they think, and that he would have had to lift up his robes, and he's looking for his son. I envision this, you know, Jesus is talking about the father standing up on a hill waiting for his son to come back. He's been gone for a long time, but he always sits there and looks and eagerly awaits because he sees him a far way off, a long way off, and he picks up his robe, and he runs to him, which would have been not been what a, a respected nobleman or rich man would have done, but he didn't care. He what his son had returned, and he was waiting for him, for him to come back. So when we look at prodigal, prodigal means lavish, wasteful, extravagant. And that was the prodigal son. He had taken his inheritance and he had wasted it on extravagant living until he had nothing left. But I think you can spin this and put it on that. This was a prodigal father as well. Because when his son came back, he put on new shoes on him, gave him a new jacket, and had a barbecue. He lavished his love on his son. Lavished it to the point of almost being wasteful. He would give that up, everything, for his son because his son returned to him. So I could say that it's also a, a prodigal son, but it's, it's a prodigal father as well. And Jesus' story points out to the Pharisees that we have a God in heaven who's waiting for everyone. He's waiting for sinners, waiting for the tax collectors to come to him. He's waiting for the Pharisees to turn to him. And there again, he puts the Pharisees in their place. 
So I'm going to tell a story on, on one of my sons, Seth. And uh, I already told him that I was going to tell some stories about him today. So he's prepared. I didn't tell him what stories. Uh, so I remember one time here, it wasn't too long ago, he was out late. And uh, he had called and told us that he's going to be home at midnight. Well, midnight came. No Seth. So we're like, okay, where is he? I'm texting. I'm calling. He doesn't respond to text. He's not picking up his phone. So I'm going, okay, where's, we're, we're up late. We're getting tired. We want to go to bed, but we're worried about him. We're wondering, oh, where is he? Did something happen to him? So eventually he texts. And he says, he says hey, I'm, I'm going to be home in a little bit. Um, I just got to drop some people off. Well, that little bit turned into like half hour, turned into an hour. Finally, it was like, I don't remember. It was like 1.30 in the morning. And, uh, and the whole time I'm sitting there in the couch looking at our plate gas window at the driveway, waiting for him, because I couldn't go to sleep. At, at one point in time, it was like I was, I was nervous for him, I was worried about him, and the part of me was just like, how dare he do that? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to beat him within an inch of his life when he shows up. <laughs> but no, he came home, and we had an honest conversation. Well, it was a one-way conversation mostly, but, uh, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't open up and have a barbecue for him, but, uh, but anyway, it was, I, I can see, I can sense a father waiting for his son to return because you love your kids and you want to make sure they get home safe and sound. And one, one of these days they're going to have to go out on their own and they may go a long ways off like the prodigal son, but you always want them to come home if they need to. You always want your home open to them. And that's like the Father is. He's available because he waits for us. So the third point. An available Father God is the one who leans over us. So we have a Father who waits for us, and then we have a, and then we have a Father God who leans over us. In Hosea, it talks about this, how the God is a, is, a, is a Father, a loving Father to Israel. And you have to understand the context a little bit of Hosea. Hosea is... Um, <clears throat> was going through a rather difficult marriage. <laughs> he was married to a woman called Gomer, and she was very unfaithful to him. And you can see intertwined in the context of his life with his wife and the unfaithfulness that she had towards him is Israel's unfaithfulness towards God. And so it just gives you a neat perspective of what Hosea was going through. Not only God was telling him as a prophet to his people, but what his personal life was. Um, so we'll start here at Hosea 11, 1 through 4. When Israel was a child, I loved him. Then out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burned offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. They shall not return to the land of Egypt, but Assyria shall be their king because they refuse to return to me. So you have this image of, of God taking Israel and walking with them. Can you imagine that? It's like I, I remember with my kids, you know, and, and if you got small children and you want them to take those first steps and you just want to pick them up by the hands and you want them to take that first step and, you want to, and eventually you want to let go of them and see if they can walk on their own, right? And that's the image that, that, that God is giving here of how he's been over Israel. And he's helped them to walk. And when they've fallen, he's helped to heal them. And then when they were fed and needed food, he'd been over to help them. He provided manna to them. So I know as, when, as, a, as a father with, with, with young ones, um, 
I always love to see them walk, but at the same time, it's kind of like, well, you know, they should crawl for a while. Because if they crawl, their eye-to-hand coordination will be better, and they'll become good athletes. That was one of the reasons why I wanted my kids to crawl as much as possible. I'd always heard that. I don't know if it's true. Uh, But the other thing was, too, is that you... Once they start walking, eventually they're going to walk on their own. Eventually they're going to walk out the door. And then they're going to go on with their own life. And they're not, you're not going to have them around anymore. And it's kind of, you're kind of torn. You want them to be able to be independent, to go out on their own. But at the same time, you want to hold on to them for just a little bit longer. And I can see this with God and with us. Is he nurtures us. He, he, he grows us. And then, but he lets us go. Because we need to go out on our own. And then we have to trust him and put our faith in him. And sometimes we turn away, turn away and we never look back to God. We never look back. So, here's my second story. And again, it's about Seth. Um, when Seth was about, about four, we had moved to a new house out in Chugiek. And we had these old concrete steps in front. And they were really nasty, really sharp. They'd been broken up. And they'd probably been there for 30 years. And the edges were really sharp. And uh, I was like, man, you know, I got to get those steps taken out of here. Somebody's going to get hurt on the fall, you know, and take a chunk out of their knee or something. But I procrastinated, procrastinated. Well, I got a phone call at work one day. And the Carolyn's headed to the hospital emergency room. Seth had fallen, and he had landed on one of those edges right there and just split his nose wide open. It was ghastly. I mean, it was really nasty looking. And uh, I remember the nurse telling me, you need to get in there to your wife because she's just about hysterical. <clears throat> So I went in there, and um, I've got another story about that I'll share with you guys sometime, but it was, never mind, I won't go there, Uh, but anyway, so, and I just kicked myself because it was like, I procrastinated, and I could have like pulled those steps out, in two weeks I had them pulled out though, I had a guy with an excavator come, and he ripped all of them out, and we lived with with dirt, a dirt track up to our house for two more years before I finally put some steps in, but you know, I felt bad because I'd left the steps there, but then I wasn't there to help him, to pick him up or to protect him. And he had this nasty gash, which, you know, now it's leave, he, he almost had, we almost had to do plastic surgery on it because it was going to leave such a scar. But now I don't think you can even see it on his nose, but uh, it healed nicely. And I praise God for that. But again, it's like I wasn't there to hold him, to pick him up and to heal him. But God is. God there is uh, when we trip and we hit our face on something, God is there for us to heal us, and he will not abandon you. So fourth point, an available father, God is not here for our convenience. Get this, he is not here for our convenience. Many times when we just come to God, is we just need something. We need something quick. We're going to drop a quarter into the vending machine and get something out. And that's the way our relationship is a lot of times with God. That's the way my relationship is with God. I can preach this back against me too. <laughs> Anybody ever feel like that way? That you only feel like sometimes the only time I talk to God is when I need something? And God wants to enjoy us. He wants, he wants to delight in us. He wants to have a conversation with us day to day all the time. He, just not, he doesn't want to be a convenience store. He doesn't want to be the Seven Eleven down the corner that you, have, you run down and go get a gallon of milk. And in our day and age, you know, with cell phones, with iPads, with all the technology we have at our fingertips, convenience is everything to us. Convenience is what is, drives a lot of our economy, isn't it? It really is. And so when we do that, we try, to, we try to take our spiritual life and our relationship with God, and we try to put it in that box as well. And it's not, God's not here for our convenience. 
Sometimes what we need to do is we need to slow down. We need to slow down and give God the honor and respect and worship that he deserves. It's kind of like when your kids ask you for money. It's like, why can't you ask me for advice? No. I just want your money, Dad. I don't want your advice. And you say, you try to hand them money, and, they just, and you try to give them some advice, or are you handing them the money, and they don't even hear you. They just take their money, and they run, right? So I think that's what God wants from us, is he wants us to turn to him and go, God, help me in this. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'm struggling with my marriage. I'm struggling with people at work. I'm struggling with my school. I'm struggling with a neighbor who's just impossible to be around. Help me, what should I do in this? Give me wisdom and how I should proceed with this. Because he wants us to love people around us. He wants us to have honest, strong relationships. But sometimes we just, well, a lot of times, I know I can't. I can't do that on my own. And I need to turn to God and just ask for guidance, not for money, not for things. I just need his wisdom. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 says this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Do you guys see in there how many times in Christ is in there? It's either in him or with him. Ephesians is just chock full of references Paul uses for our identity in Christ. If you've never read Ephesians, I really challenge you to read it and read it slowly. And look in there how many times Paul references in Christ, with Christ, of Christ. Because his whole thing, his theme in Ephesians, and I would recommend this before any book to anybody who ever said, what is the first book or what is the, the one I should read to understand what my relationship with Christ is? It would be Ephesians. Because when you accept Christ, it's not just I get new clothes, I look different on the outside, you know, things just kind of get fixed and band-aid over. Uh-uh. You guys now, when you've accepted Christ, you're in the family. You're in the family of God. Christ has done all that for you. Nothing you have done. Christ has done it all. And you have a new identity. You are identified now as a son and daughter of God. You're not an enemy of God anymore. I tell you guys, you, this, is, this is paramount to understand this, what you are in Christ. Because it gets you through a lot of things, difficult times in life when you know. I know for me, it's like I can bank on that I am in Christ. And Christ is in me. Because of what he has done, not what I have done. And so, again, I challenge you in Ephesians to read Ephesians. It, is, it is, a, is a beautiful way to understand who we are in Christ. And when you look at this verse, four, these verses 4 through 7, if you get this, you can throw away the Bible. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't throw away the Bible. There's, it's too rich in other areas. But this is critical to understand this, that in Christ we have immeasurable, immeasurable riches of his grace. God wants to show us the immeasurable riches of his grace. We try to put God in a box, don't we? We try to make him over here, small, just use him whenever we need to. But God has got so much more for us. I think little all the time. I think in my little world, Danny's God. I got my own little kingdom. This is how I'm going to operate. And God wants to blow the doors off of that. He wants to expand your kingdom to his kingdom. He wants you to be a part of his kingdom, which knows no bounds. 
and immeasurable riches of his grace. His grace will, I don't think, I, am, I know I will never understand on this side of heaven. His grace is so immense to where he takes me that I, will, I won't understand and I hope to get that answer in heaven. When my Lord tells me, this is what grace means. This is how big it is. So, are you available? We have a Father God who's available and is everywhere. He leans over us to pick us up. He waits for us to anxiously come before him. But are you available? Do you make yourself available? There's two ways you can look at this. It can be, it can be upwards and outwards. Do we make ourselves available to God? Are we so busy in our lives that we can't stop? And praise God and thank him for just, just driving down. You know, I, I love driving around down the Glen Highway and seeing God's creation, seeing his mountains, and I just praise him. That's why I love living in Alaska because I see God's handiwork every day when I drive to work. I don't see it so much when I drive at home because I'm so stressed out. I just want to just, I'm just, <laughs> and the traffic's bad. As you guys know, when you live on the Glen, you drive on the Glen and come home from Eagle River, or to Eagle River. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's understanding that God wants to be there and he wants to pick us up. And we should thank him when he picks us up. We should praise him for that. We should be in his word. We should see how he continually over through the New Testament, the Old Testament, picked up Israel and his church when it was starting and got them on their feet and, and always took care of them through the bad times and the good times. And then not to treat, your, treat our father like a, like a vending machine. We pray to him continually, asking for guidance, asking for his understanding. But then outwards too. You know, we're called to be a body of Christ to reach out into a lost world is we need to be available to those around us. We need to be available to, even in the church, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I find myself that's that I try to isolate myself sometimes from people, maybe that God's telling me that you need to lean into this guy. You need to lean into this person. And I try to isolate myself and not be available. And we all need to do that, right? We need to be available to those people around us that, that do not know Christ or that you have a hurting brother and sister in Christ. And maybe they're going through something they need just a shoulder to lean on, a shoulder to cry on. But I think I'll challenge you is this, is start in your family. Be available in your family. I mean, if we can have the nucleus of the family is healthy in the church, the church is going to explode. The church is going to explode. The family is so important to God. If you can be, parents, be available for your kids. Kids, be available for your parents. Be available for each other. Be there to listen to each other. Be there to listen. Be there when, when somebody just has a bad day. And we all have bad days. So in closing, I'm gonna, I just want to kind of wrap this mental image once and for all up in one package. My Father is everywhere. We have a Father God who is everywhere. You can't run and hide from him, but he's always there. My Father waits for me. He waits for me to return when I stray from him. My father leans over me, leans over me, ready to pick me up when I fall. My father shows me immeasurable grace, immeasurable grace, grace that we knows no bounds. And finally, my father is for me. He is not against me. Your heavenly father is for you. He's not against you. And that is comforting to know. Let's pray. 
Father God, thank you for being available. Thank you for your, uh, for your understanding and your mercy and knowing that uh, we will trip and we will fall. Um, just remind us, Lord, that you're there to pick us up and that when we are healed, that we just praise you, Lord. We praise you for your son who makes it all, impo- all possible that we have access to you. You have torn the curtain, Lord. You have allowed us to come to you and that we can just worship you and we can praise you in this day. And I just pray to you, Lord, for the worship time now coming forward, going forward, that we would just raise up our voices as, as one communion and give you all the praise and glory that you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.